Welcome back to the Dad in a Rock podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we are here again, and it is uh, our third installment of our wrestling discussion. We uh, watched WrestleMania 36 over the weekend, both nights, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we'll get into our thoughts, uh, kind of a longer form review later in the show, but uh, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I mean, you know, I mean, I say this every week, same old, same old. Uh, homeschooling thing, uh, like it's it, it's a challenge. Yeah, but uh, I think everyone's kind of going through the same challenge. Uh, I've learned to shut the TV off. Yeah, I am now turning the TV off at certain portions just because I just well, for one, there's nothing on. I am jonesing <laughs> for some like baseball. Yeah, or some live sports or anything. I've watched like the the NASCAR like video game racing thing they're doing, which I got to give it to them. They're trying something. All the drivers have their own kind of get up and they're racing online and I don't know, but uh, I'm jonesing for something sports related outside of the NFL draft. <laughs> I mean, it's all NFL draft and I just, I'm to the point I don't care anymore about the NFL draft. Yeah, they're doing a virtual draft, uh, which I don't even know what that entails. What does a virtual NFL draft look like? Probably one of them sitting in their living room, kind of like what we're doing here and <laughs> saying, I picked Tua or whatever and hoping no one hacks their Zoom feed, which I think would be hilarious. Oh, that would if be. somebody hacked their Zoom feed and picked someone that should be going in the fifth round for their first round pick, <laughs> oh man, that would be, that'd be amazing. Uh, that would be some. That may be enough for me to go ahead and tune in just to see if something crazy happens. Yeah, that would be memorable for sure. Uh, it's just uh, you know, it's a weird time. We're all getting used to it. Uh, local weatherman here is uh, doing the weather from his basement. He set up a green screen, and they lent him a uh, studio camera to set up at his house, and uh, he uh, just does the weather from his basement. Oh, wow. He's got a camera himself. Now, see, our news actually went ahead and did a whole, uh, say, for instance, if they got infected or they had to quarantine basically the whole building, they had a morning broadcast where they all broadcasted from their phones at home. Somehow they were still directing them. But like yeah. they had little tripods they were setting up and you see them looking at their phones and like the weather guy and everything. So it was a, uh, it was different. They, I mean, they haven't had to go down that road, thankfully. But uh, I see everyone's kind of making some type of uh, preparations if this does get as bad as uh, they once really projected it. It seems to be uh, getting better, but we still have a long way to go. Desperate times call for desperate measures. But uh, yeah, um, who knows if we're even halfway through this thing, but uh, we're making it. We're trudging along week to week. Don't um, sneeze in public. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand you and the family caught a uh, Disney movie here over the weekend. You and I are quick to talk about Disney, um, but uh, you watched Onward, right? Yes, we did. We went ahead and we waited. Instead of spending the $20 on the movie to go ahead and rent it, we had went ahead and just let it hit, you know, Disney Plus. And we watched it this past weekend, and it, it, was, a, it was a good one. I mean, it, I mean... People were saying at one point it was probably one of Pixar's best. I wouldn't say that much, but it does shed a light on, you know, siblings that kind of put themselves out there and then their younger siblings don't really realize, you know, what they're doing for them until way in the future. Yeah, it had some uh, pretty unique themes to it as far as the dynamic between the two brothers and their individual dynamics with their father, which uh, kind of explored some uh, deep-rooted family drama, uh, which is always good in a Pixar movie. They, they know how to go to those touchstones and really, I mean, I think that's what separates Pixar from other kind of family films or animated films is that they kind of drive deep towards some deeper themes. And uh, yeah, I agree. I, I was a sucker and I bought it when it came out uh, digitally. <laughs> 
something on Voodoo. <laughs> so we watched it uh, a couple weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, it's one that we missed in the theaters for, for the short amount of time that it was in theaters. Uh, it's definitely a good one to check out on Disney+, Plus, which is, uh, it's available now. Now, did you see the, the twist coming at the end, though, about the list itself? Or was that kind of... Because I didn't. I didn't see it until they were on the big, like, uh, like cheese puff going down the river when he was starting to cross everything off. Oh, yeah. And then he started to come to a realization, hold on, this wasn't a list for dad. This was a list for my brother. And he's like, hold on, I did do this. I did do this. Yeah, it really kind of shows him that his brother took the reins and really became a... Uh, a central kind of father figure in his life, which, uh, you know, spoiler alert, that's kind of the big gut punch of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, whoops. Uh, is that realization. Um, yeah, we got there, and, um, I mean, everything leading up to that was entertaining, and, and the resolution at the end of the film was uh, heartfelt and really good, really well done. Of course, the animation was top-notch. It's being Pixar. Uh, I thought it was highly enjoyable. Yeah, and I'm a sucker for him. I mean, ever since... You know, I've been I've becoming a father, and probably beforehand, even before I'd even fess up to it in my twenties. Something like this here, I'll give that you know that fake yawn, eye rub for to make sure no one sees my eyes watering up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, Pixar is good at getting me. Between this, Toy Story was the Disney. Uh, what was another one? Uh, Finding well, Nemo gets me. Inside Out is another one. That actually kind of gets me, and not so much in the very beginning of it, but as the story goes along. Yeah. Uh, it just, just like this one here, it just plays on you. It gets you ramped up, and all of a sudden it just drops it kind of on you. Yep. So it's, they're, they're good at what they do. Makes you feel those feelings. Darn them. But yeah, that's Onward. That's on Disney Plus now. So um, if you're listening to us, most likely you're already subscribing to Disney Plus, I'd imagine. So check it out. But speaking of something that kind of gets us completely away from, you know, you know what we've been doing. You know, earlier I was saying I was kind of jonesing for some baseball, and you know, WWE has kind of given me that little bit of entertainment or that escape. Uh, me and my son have actually started enjoying watching uh, SmackDown on Friday nights. Yeah. And he loves John Cena, so he's just kind of itching to see John Cena. But just the, you know, just the event itself, you know, them going out there, them still doing their thing. Yeah, it's weird. There's nobody there. And I kind of told my wife, said, this may be a blessing in disguise for WWE because they may really find out who they have and who they don't have. They may, be, may, they may be investing in people that with nobody there, they may find out they're investing in the wrong people and going with somebody else. So this may be a, you know, a launching point for somebody. Oh, you mean as far as the talent? like who's As gonna, in talent, yes. Yeah, who's going to last through this uh, epidemic and who wouldn't. I, you know, I hadn't thought of, of it that way, but you're right. And uh, it's probably also good for them as far as, a, you know, viewership. Because, I mean, with the serious lack of any other kind of sports or sports entertainment out there, I mean, there's no NASCAR, there's no any, I mean, there's no anything. There's uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, so you have to kind of uh, turn to fake sports, scripted sports, sports entertainment to get any sort of, uh, you know, sports on your television, which um, ultimately that's probably why Vince McMahon decided to, you know, keep kind of trudging through and, and putting on the show. You know, the show must go on even through well, the pandemic. Yeah, well, hear me out on this one, though. Okay, so the NFL is catching a lot of flack for holding their free agency, for holding their draft, even though that they're going to do it virtually now. Why have we not heard any negative like feedback or publicity towards the WWE for continuing to do their shows and do WrestleMania? 
Or at least I haven't myself. I haven't either. I The only reports that I've heard are the wrestlers themselves kind of disappointed that the show was continuing, that it wasn't rescheduled. Uh, there was some fear in the locker room of uh, spreading the virus internally there. Uh, but as far as the mainstream media getting involved, um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I haven't heard anything else either. Maybe WWE is just so far off, you know, the popular mainstream radar these days. Yeah, I mean, it's like not it's not the glory days, you know. It's not even like 10 years ago. With John, Even John Cena's moved on. I, I couldn't tell you of like big superstars of the current age, really. It's just kind um, of given my pass. It's, uh, it's kind of tough to tell. I don't know. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head, that would be the reason why, but it's it's hard to say. Yeah, there's so much going on in people's, I think, attention is, you know, elsewhere between, you know, not happy with local politics or not happy yeah. with staying at home or just their crazies, you know, teaching their kids, you know, school, all that, and it's just not something that they really uh, were putting their effort into. Unlike the NFL, where everyone is so invested into the NFL, if they do something negative, uh, everyone's going to have their opinion on it. Yeah, it is uh, a different time. You know, even if this kind of thing happened 10 years ago, maybe uh, WWE would have gotten more flack because it's kind of more in in the eye of the public. But I don't know. You know, personally, I'm I'm glad... It seems like the uh, wrestlers stayed safe. I don't think there was any kind of major infection that I've heard of of any wrestlers catching this thing. Um, So they were able to put on the show and uh, keep it going as as awkward as it was. And we'll get into it. Uh, But, yeah, I'm glad they pushed through. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm kind of the same mindset. It's given me that escape. Uh, the WWE Network has given me that escape that I need. So I've, lo- yeah. I've watched a lot of you know old stuff. I've watched a lot of interviews. I've gotten into the Broken, Broken Skull series, uh, which is awesome. The Attitude Error series. Uh, there's one called coming up called The Last Ride. Uh, you can see that I'm, I'm, I'm diving into something just to keep myself occupied. Keep myself occupied from real world things that are going on right now. Take my mind off it. But we talked about it a lot here. Uh, what were your first, you know, impressions after night two was over? What were, what was your, th- what was your th- overwhelming thought? Say not match, no, like no match details, buys, but you say, you know, after a WrestleMania, you're like, whoa. Or you're like, eh. Well, I mean, full disclosure here. I know we're reviewing these two nights of WrestleMania. I did not sit down and watch a full seven hours of wrestling. <laughs> you know, I kind of skipped through, saw some results, uh, watched some reviews of the, the two nights entirely. Um, first of all, I think it's just it was just too dang much. Even without all this stuff going on, even if there was a hot crowd both nights, even if they were, you know, playing at the uh, Buccaneers Arena that they originally had planned to do. That's what the whole pirate theme was about. Uh, they were going to have the uh, the big pirate ship as a backdrop, right, and have the open skies. Yeah. It would have been a cool setting, you know, with, with a big crowd. Um, but even with all that stuff, just seven hours of wrestling over two nights, uh, it's just a lot for me <laughs> in this day and age to try to catch up on. Um, but at, at the end of those, you know, and, you know, when I watched the, that final match between Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre, I was like, well, you know, they they did their best. They gave it a shot. And it's going to be um, a WrestleMania that's remembered through the, the ages, maybe not for the right reasons, but uh, they, they put on the best show that they could have. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's kind of my overwhelming you know thought as well. You know, th- this couldn't have been easy. There's there's no way that this was an easy event for these wrestlers to go ahead and you know, put on. They're used to being amped up by the crowd and just kind of getting their adrenaline running and the whole deal. It's, you know, it's WrestleMania. It's their big show. This would be like, you know, the Super Bowl playing with no crowd. Yeah. You know, th- that's really the only real comparison we can make as in like one night. Uh, but to your point, though, the seven hours, I mean, they were saying, that I was looking back, that WrestleMania was starting at seven 
and getting over at like one in the morning. So they were going six hours in one night, let alone, you know, breaking it up into two. And that's really why they broke it up into two. It's, I mean, I sat through all of it because my son, Zach, was just looking forward to it. Yeah. He really wanted to watch it. We sat down, we watched every hour, every hour of it. Uh, much to my surprise, my wife was just enough interested for us to actually watch it in the living room. So we prepped <laughs> to watch it in the, in the, the, the bonus room, my man room. So me and Zach are sitting on the couch. We've got the pregame, you know, pre-show going on Saturday, and we're getting ready to go. And she's like, well, you want to just go ahead and watch it in here? I'm like, you sure? I'm like, then so we kind of watched it in there, and she actually was watching and not watching. If if you guys, any of you guys are married, you know exactly what I mean by that. Right. You know, have her phone up, you know, playing on her phone and kind of staring over the phone, making it look like she's not interested at all. She was, she was kind of pulling those moments. And then there was some that she actually responded to, which uh, we'll kind of get into. Yeah. So night one, it opened up with an introduction of, um, you know, some of the, the famous past performances of the National Anthem with Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, and a few others. That was kind of neat for them to kind of clip those together. Um, and then it moved right into Stephanie McMahon kind of opening the show and setting the tone. Uh, Stephanie McMahon, who sounded a little rough, by the way, I didn't realize that she had such a smoker's voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, she kind of let us know, you know, kind of uh, that they they shot it uh, without a crowd. And, you know, that was important for them to kind of, um, you know, get on with the show during a, a time as a, a nice entertaining distraction for folks, which I appreciated. Um, and then they go right to Gronk, who I don't know about you. Gronk just wasn't doing it for me. Gronk did nothing for me. That was it was a clown show. That's yeah. all it was. I don't I don't know what the real purpose was. It was I mean, he's going to stick around for a little bit longer because I mean, we're going to discuss that, you know, further on, but yeah, it just the purpose there when he signed with them to host. First time thinking, what what's a host? What's a host <laughs> yeah. of WrestleMania? I mean, right. what what are we talking about here? And then this kind of happens and even the announcers didn't know what to do with him, it felt like. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I mean, he was gone by night too, right? Like he didn't even stick around for the whole thing. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he left. Well, let's just get into it. This is, this is one of the hokier parts. So Grunk's up there, he's doing his thing. And all of a sudden, uh, whoever the 24 hour hardcore champion or whatever it is came up there was trying to hide from everybody. And then he got beat down by the guy that was with, with Grunk and he takes off with the bell. So now he's you know, the other champion. He can get beat at any time. Apparently, you can. I can be sitting here in my chair. Someone can, you know, drop an elbow. I mean, pin me, and I'll lose the belt. I mean, I think that's how. <laughs> the, I think that's how this rolls. The twenty four seven hardcore champion. Yeah, that's something that I wasn't aware of until now. That all happens. Night two, we're about half. Well, I say about a quarter of the way, maybe half. I'll say halfway through night two, and all of a sudden, you know, the hardcore belt is being defended down below Grunk. He did his whole, you know, his hosting thing, and it was like. 10 guys just kind of all beating up on this one guy to get the belt. And Grunk with his bad neck, his bad back, his bad shoulder, his bad knees, mm. jumps off the top of this balcony and lands on all these guys, pins this dude, and runs off with the belt. And that's the last time we see him. Wow. Okay. I'm like, hold on, dude. You 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 retired from the NFL for your injuries, and you did that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Entering into the WWE isn't probably the best idea considering your injury. Yeah, no. <laughs> Look at the Undertaker. That should be your first, uh, your first sign. Yeah. So the first official match of night one was uh, the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, uh, which I thought, as far as an opening bout, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it, it took me a few minutes to kind of get through the awkwardness of a crowd not being there. Yeah. And you know, the wrestlers would jump to the corner and like you know flex their arms and. 
you know, that's a, the kind of point where a you know, crowd would cheer and you would feel that energy. But when, you know, you, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that to it, to an empty arena and to a blank wall. It, it's a little awkward, a little quiet. Did you watch any Rawls or uh, Smackdowns prior to WrestleMania? No, I hadn't. So this was kind of a new experience for me seeing this dynamic between, uh, you know, wrestlers going at it and an empty arena. So it kind of it felt like, you know, I was watching tryouts as opposed to WrestleMania. But uh, once I got through that, I you know, it, it really took only that first match to kind of shake that off. Now, side note, Alexa Bliss is hot. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear you. But uh, I, I was I was actively tweeting. I don't know if you guys follow this or not, but literally I put out maybe 40 to 50 tweets in two nights, you know, during these matches. And I heard somebody while I was watching it say, hey, if someone's in the other room and has no idea what you're watching, they may come around a corner in curiosity. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, it, it was fun. I mean, I, it was, like you said, it was, a, it was a good start. I mean, the tag teams, it was, it was hard to get into for some reason. I don't know if it was that the environment that they were struggling with, uh, it must've been really hard being them yeah, because they were the opening act right. of this, you know, WrestleMania that is completely different than anything else, you know, and the, you know, bliss and cross walked away with the titles, the new tag team titles. But I mean, like you said, once you get through that, Hey, there's no one there. Just kind of focus on match itself. Cause in reality, when you're watching the WrestleManias, you're focused on the match itself. Yeah. The rest of what's going on in the crowd is just an ambiance for you. You're not really paying attention to it until something, you know, they start chanting something crazy. Right. Yeah, you're really kind of, uh, during this entire um, two-night event, you're really kind of leading on the announcers to do their job as far as telling a bit of the backstory um, and commentating on the match itself. Uh, you're leaning on those announcers hard. I thought uh, Michael Cole and JBL did a good job. I'm not familiar with the other two guys. I guess they're from the SmackDown side of things. Maybe they're from the Raw side. I'm not sure who's which announcers are from which uh, program. Uh, but, you know, I was aware of Michael Cole and JBL. Uh, so I guess I gravitated th- to them a bit more. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it's, you know, it's, a, it's I'm sure it's supremely difficult to, to try to get through that without crowd interaction. But uh, this match was a, a good opener. And, um, you know, the Kabuki Warriors, they had a gimmick that reminded me of stuff from the 80s, uh, you know, coming out with almost like samurai and just highly, you know, Asian culture and, and mask and everything. Yeah, uh, it was kind of cool. So, you know, they were definitely the bad guys and, and Bliss and Cross were definitely the good guys. So it was kind of a throwback that way. Yeah, that that was fun. It did actually have that that feeling to it like it used to back like you're saying back in the 80s when it was all about gimmicks rather than you know you know the show which it kind of turned into yeah absolutely so the next match up is uh king corbin versus elias now zachary was huge into this one here yeah really because on friday on the last uh was the last smackdown before wrestlemania happened corbin not corbin sorry elias was up in some like you know strike shirt or something like that he was singing a song making fun of king corbin and King Corbin comes out of nowhere and starts beating the snot out of him and throws him off this balcony. He's laying on the mat looking up. <laughs> and and Zach, I mean, he's never seen this stuff before. Yeah. So he's now thinking he he wants an update. He's jonesing to know how, you know, Corbin, not Corbin, Ellis is doing. Yeah. Because Corbin threw him off this balcony. And he keeps on wanting to go back. This happened two SmackDowns before because it was coming up on Monday Night Raw. Okay. And he wanted to watch Raw to get an update. About Ellis, and he didn't get the update until Thursday. The thumb fo- started following Friday when we watched SmackDown again. And then when they went to the match, Corbin came out and no Ellis was there. Mm. So Zach's thinking he's not coming out, and all of a sudden he comes out. 
with his guitar, and one of the first things he does when he gets him is he smashes that guitar over his back. Ugh. And Zach's Zach's pumped. He's <laughs> loving this. He's all about watching you know you know Ellis El- Elias. I keep on saying Ellis Elias uh, beat King Corbin up. So uh, that was Zach's first like I can see his blood pumping, enjoying it match. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Well, yeah. I, you know, I could I didn't really recognize these guys myself, but they put on a good show. They put on a good match. Um, Elias seemed to have his own pretty unique gimmick coming out in just like jeans and a t-shirt. That seems to be like the attire these days. Is that you, you know, no more spandex or wrestling gear. It's all <laughs> it's all like jeans and boots, and long jeans <laughs> and boots, and yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that was a pretty fun match in itself. And like we mentioned, uh, Elias came out the victor in that match. Next up was Becky Lynch, the uh, Raw Women's Champion, fiery red hair. Uh, almost orange hair. She had a very unique look. I didn't realize she was British, but she, I guess she's British. She calls herself the man. Which is kind of odd. Usually, like, you know what? You're trying to stand out from the men, but you call yourself the man? What? <laughs> Who was behind that one? <laughs> I actually liked her quite a bit. Uh, we didn't mention, you know, she was uh, going against uh, Shayna Baszler, who I guess is from Ultimate Fighting, uh, came through NXT and uh, was a pretty fierce opponent. You know, I watched the um, kind of the storyline uh, of these two before they started the match, and uh, I was into it. I-, I believed it. You know, Becky Lynch, um, I liked her character. I- she kind of gave me old school vibes, too, where... You know, the way she talked about herself and about her being the best, it reminded me of uh, Ric Flair. You know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, you know, or Bret Hart on the yeah. excellence of execution. Like, she just talked, she was her own <laughs> best commentator, you know, she was talking herself up. Um, and then this other woman, uh, Shayna Baszler, I mean, she was she was kind of scary. Oh, yeah, you can definitely see, you know, the if something goes wrong, I can beat the snot out of you type, you know, look from Shayna Baszler. Uh, Becky Lynch, like I said, I was impressed with that. I feel like... She can cut a promo. Oh yeah. I mean, you. I can't say that about all these, you know, these you know, performers now. It's it's good. I mean, it's one of those things that you know she's all in on. And once you you know you kind of get in on it and you enjoy it. Like I I didn't know a whole lot of her prior till I started watching again. But I mean, once I started seeing you know you know her promos with the cuts and everything, I, it, it was easy to get behind her and enjoy her. And it, my wife actually kind of made a comment. She's like, there's a lot of women. Oh yeah, I said I, I, I feel like it's a fifty fifty split now. Yeah, uh, out there when you know on these cards, you, there is as many women wrestling as there are men, which is which is a completely different world than uh, what we came from when we stopped to watch. Right. This. I mean, there may have been four, <laughs> yeah, and they weren't they weren't even wrestlers; they were considered divas. Right. It was like Lita, Trish Stratus, uh, maybe a handful of others, uh, Stacy Keebler, and it was mostly about them being eye candy. Like that was the. Uh, uh, the whole reason for kind of trotting them out there. Not to say that they, you know, didn't put in the work. I'm sure they did a lot of work back back those days. But uh, the women, these it's just a different field these days. I mean, there's women of all shapes, sizes, talent, uh, character. Well, i got to give it to WWE. I mean, they're developing, it, developing them in that what, NXT. Yeah. And then they're bringing them to the big shows. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, it, it shows that, that they, they see, you know, what the situation of society is. And they're adapting to society, which means they're going to survive longer. Cause you know, a lot of these places that don't, I mean, I, I just think of a retail you know, spot. I'm thinking Kmart, right? Every time I walked in Kmart, I feel like I was walking into the eighties. <laughs> You're right. That's why it's not around anymore. And now they're gone. So yeah. 
I mean, I got to give the WWE you know, the thumbs up and you know, the kudos for at least that. I even put that on Twitter one. So you know what? They're they're kind of giving the you know the girls equal power in these shows, which is which is nice to see. Yeah, it was a good match. I mean, these two told a story, and uh, I was into it from the get go. Um, Becky Lynch comes out on top at the end with kind of a, a roll up, uh, which uh, you know you see the drama and defeat and in, in Shayna's face after the uh, the one two three. Um, so it's good. So Becky Lynch retains the title, and I'll be interested to to you know continue watching and and see how that progresses over on Raw. Yeah, no, that's that's one of those Raw things for me. Like I want to watch it, but I know if I start watching at eight o'clock, and Zach comes out at like quarter after or twenty after, like he always does when bedtime's eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna sucker me into watching more of it, right? So it's like I just I gotta I gotta sacrifice Raw for SmackDown for him, which I mean, I'm, how much am I really sacrificing now? <laughs> True. <laughs> so there was uh, also Sami Zayn, who is the Intercontinental Champion, uh, versus Daniel Bryan. I mean, everyone knows Daniel Bryan; he's the yes dude. So I mean, he just comes out that now. That was weird. His opening with the two fingers in the air, the yes, 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 and yeah. there's nobody there. Really, just Gronk saying yes in return. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it was it was weird. I mean, that that's that's the, the bottom line of that one there. And, and honestly, for me, this one was a stinker. I, I didn't I didn't like how it started. I yeah. didn't like how Sami Zayn was running around and avoiding him. Sami Zayn got his butt kicked pretty much the whole night. Then they got his his goons come out, you know, and kind of do their thing, and then. And he walks away with the belt. There was nothing about this fight that sucked me in. There was nothing about it that was entertaining to me. It was more like, okay, check it off. That one's done. Let's put it away and forget about it and move on. Yeah, I'm with you. Ultimately, kind of a uh, forgettable match. I like uh, Daniel Bryan a lot. Um, I think he had a terrific run when he won the actual belt. um, And that night, it was a big WrestleMania moment, him defeating uh, three guys um, to, to earn that belt. And I like his gimmick. I mean, he's a crowd favorite, but tonight just wasn't uh, a good night for him. He was surrounded by a bunch of guys that didn't really help him out. And I, I didn't get any drama or any story behind it. So ultimately, it was just like, all right, on to the next. Yeah, now the next one here was actually, it was a uh, a SmackDown uh, match here. So the tag team champions uh, is John Morrison and The Miz. And something happened. The Miz wasn't able to perform. On WrestleMania. Mm. Uh, he got sick or an injury or something. He was not actually able to perform. So this triple threat tag team letter match turned into this three-way. So they took one person from each of the tag teams yeah. and made it into a ladder match. So it was John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, and Jimmy Urso. And, I mean, I got a little bit from these guys on SmackDown. And, honestly, Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Urso, you know, those two tag teams are fun. Yeah, I got nothing from this. I was Zach was pumped for this one here. I was looking forward to this one here, and for a ladder match, this really sucked. Not to put it any other way. I mean, I'm just going to be as blunt as I can. Yeah, this was probably one of the worst ladder matches I have ever seen WWE put on. Now I looked through some like uh, CBS kind of gives a rankings and all these and all these different matches. Yeah, and they weren't as down on it as I was, but man, I was kind of like. Something I wanted to be good didn't even the ending of the match was hokey. Yeah, be- because they had both belts hanging on one clip, and you had to unclip it and hold the belts to win. Well, all three of them unclipped it; they're all hanging there. And then uh, Morrison falls from the top of the ladder, but it's holding on both belts. So both belts unclip. He winds up on the mat with both belts. He wins. Yeah, I'm like, come on. Yeah, very strange. I mean, I think the booking probably sounded better on paper than it did in actual execution. I'm I'm with you. As far as ladder matches go, 
it was just kind of a distraction. It was uh, there was too many cooks in the kitchen, too much going on in the ring. And this was taking place in the performance center. So ultimately, I don't know if the ring was any smaller, but just the surrounding the ring was uh, not very big space for um, for a ladder match. I mean, you know, the area around the ring and everything not being, you know, normal what they're used to. Yeah, so it was kind of a, um, a smaller field that they were able to work in. And, you know, these three guys, they definitely gave it up. They gave it their all. Um, but as far as just the execution, there was really no big spot that it was like, wow, that was cool. The the way there typically is in a ladder match. And then that's unfortunately for them and maybe even future ladder matches. There's been so many like huge ladder matches yeah. that the bar is set so high just to even have a successful one, let alone have one that's worthy of WrestleMania. Right. It, it's going to be hard to achieve for sure. So then we had what I thought personally was one of the better matches of the night itself. You had Kevin Owens versus uh, Seth Rollins. And they had a, a beef going back and forth. And then, you know, Owens not wanting to call Seth Rollins, you know, the Messiah, basically telling him to shut up. And Seth Rollins was just telling him, you know, to fall in, you know, fall in place, you know, get in line with everybody else and uh, kind of go along with it. And Owens was not with it, which which is cool. Watching the promos and the lead up to this one here was actually really fun. You know, pretty much telling them, you know, to shut up. He's had enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was good. And then they get fighting and the whole deal. And I mean, you can actually see who's the heel in this one. Who wasn't with Rollins being the heel and Owens, you know, being the guy just just saying, you know, what? we've all had enough. I'm just gonna be the guy that speaks up. Yeah, I did watch this one, and I like both of these guys. Um, I'm aware of both of them from the other times that I tried to get back into wrestling. Uh, I know Seth Rollins was a part of the Shield. Um, Seth Rollins is a great heel. Uh, he's got a lot of that, uh, a lot of those characteristics as far as just being just a pompous jerk. He's really good at it. <laughs> he's the kind of heel that you love to hate. Um, kind of when uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of you know when Shawn Michaels was uh, was a heel or. Um, some other guys were just he's snarky and he's you just, you know, want the dude to tell him to shut up. And uh, Kevin Owens, I like, too. He's, uh, you know, he's a hardcore guy. He doesn't look like the typical wrestler. He looks like a guy you maybe bump into like that's like a bouncer or something at a bar, like a dive <laughs> bar. Um, but, uh, yeah, he comes strolling in with his T-shirt. And uh, I was surprised. I didn't realize that uh, he's adopted the stunner as a move. He uh, Seth Rollins got uh, the stunner a few times. Yeah, no, I didn't know that either. When I saw seen it, it was awesome. But, yeah, they were fighting. And, and the fight, the match itself was awesome. I mean, they're going, and you know, Rollins is kind of getting beat pretty good, and then he just kind of gives it to Owens with the bell, the dunk, and all of a sudden they disqualify him. Like wrestle, what? Hold on, this is WrestleMania. We don't disqualify matches. <laughs> That's right. Like, we don't count people out either. Yeah. Come on, what's going on? So he starts walking away, and you know, Owens rolls in the ring with the mic and basically calls him back and turns it into a no DQ, which was which was fun because <laughs> I'm watching. I'm like, okay, because you know, Rollins is saying. I can do this, right? I can do it. He's basically reaffirming that he can just beat the crap out of him with these chairs, which he continues to do until he gets the bell and, you know, upside the head himself, which is a, was kind of a turning point because he wound up on the actual table. Now, I mentioned earlier, my wife gave me her first, like, holy crap moment. That was when Owens jumped off the WrestleMania sign onto the table on the Rollins. It basically ended the match. But she's like, he's like 260. That's a big dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, flying through the air and, you know, you know landing on Rollins. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's right. That's that's the fun thing here. And just watching her face, watching Zach's face, 
And then I was given the holy crap, you know, smacking my brother, my son's head, Zach, just, holy crap, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that was the match I was, that, that got me on night one. Oh, for sure. It was a good one. It uh, was reminiscent of like when uh, Shane O'Mac used to do those big uh, flying off the, uh, the scaffolding <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, oh. it, it was very good. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was a good match. Probably my favorite uh, the night, at least up to this point. Um, so from there, we, we kind of move on to, uh, spoiler alert, kind of a stinker. <laughs> We've got uh, Goldberg. Um, dun, this guy's still dun, wrestling. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the guy used to uh, be a star of Monday Nitro, and yet here he is, WrestleMania 36. And uh, looks mostly the same, besides maybe his beard being a bit grayer, but uh, he, he still has a limited set of moves that he does. Yeah, yeah. This one here, I mean, it's. I almost felt like they they wanted to get the belt away from him. Because how many stinkers can you have in, on WrestleMania before they just pull the plug on you? Because, I mean, this was terrible for what four spears and then i mean that's all he had and then he got whatever it was this other dude has and it was pretty much over yeah it's crazy it you know i liked the whole goldberg gimmick back in the 90s i thought it was neat um uh, but doing the same thing these days walking out of the back room i mean it's not uh yeah it didn't even uh, change his entrance he's still coming out of well this time it wasn't even a locker room <laughs> it was like out of the parking garage <laughs> Uh, he walks out behind a vending machine. <laughs> it's uh, it it wasn't fun. You could, I mean, he's never had a ton of moves that he does. He's always kind of like jackhammer spear, jackhammer spear. You know, punch to the face. And uh, but now, even as he's older and he does that stuff not as well as he used to. Like uh, I don't know. You're right. I think this was a total transition. There's something going on here with this belt. Where he was just kind of a placeholder to have this belt uh, to give to Braun Strowman. So from what I understand, this initially was supposed to be a match between Goldberg and Roman Reigns. uh, Where they were going to put the belt on Roman Reigns. But uh, Roman Reigns came back uh, a year or two ago from uh, leukemia. Uh, battling that. So with him being kind of uh, immune deficient, he wanted to bow out and didn't really want any part of being in WrestleMania this year, which which I get. Oh, I didn't even I know. I know he, he was prompted for the match. Yeah. I didn't know that was the reason why he would pull out. Yeah, because if he's if his immune system isn't up for it, absolutely not. Don't be out. Don't don't be stupid. Yeah. So uh, putting Braun Strowman in was kind of a uh, last minute change here. But uh Ultimately, you know, Braun Strowman did his best. I think he's a big, he's got a, a cool image. He's a big dude. Um, uh, another one that's kind of a brawler look to him. Uh, but this match, all in all, real stinker. Do you think this is just a passing of the like placeholder? Or do you think Strowman's just holding the belt waiting for Reigns to come back? I think that we are going to get a pay-per-view in the near future whenever this thing um, kind of resolves itself and we have crowds again. We're probably going to see a match between Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. That's what I would hope. Yeah, right now they've got, uh, I think it's May 10th, Money in the Bank is the next one. So I don't know if they're going to you know do the same thing. I wonder if, they, if this wasn't WrestleMania, if this was, said it's the same Money in the Bank. Yeah. Would they have just go ahead and canceled it? Or because it was WrestleMania, they felt the need to put it on. It's tough to say. I don't know. You know, there are parts of this WrestleMania, some um, some clunkers to where I, I really wish that they would have just delayed it for a bigger show. Especially, you know, knowing that they were going to be in the uh, the Buccaneers Stadium. And what a huge... Uh, it would have been an outdoor venue, which reminds me of like WrestleMania either 8 or 9, where they had the kind of the whole Roman Coliseum. Anytime that they are able to throw on a big show like that outdoors, I'm, I'm there for it. But... Um, you know, ultimately they probably should have delayed it, but they did the best that they could to, to put on a show for, 
you know, for guys like you and me who are desperate to, for something like this. <laughs> Just jonesing for something. Yeah. Okay, and then we have, you know, what should have been the showstopper of the night? I mean, we have The Undertaker come out, and he's, I mean, he's a, he's a mainstay. If there's a WrestleMania going on, The Undertaker will be there. Yeah. No matter, you know, how few shows he does throughout the year. But uh, he had some type of little thing going back and forth. Uh, AJ Styles kind of called him out, said the only reason why he's still wrestling is because Taker's wife wants to check. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was really good. He was nasty. He was really going at yeah. it and calling him Mark and stuff, you know, calling him by his real name. And uh, Yeah, he said he was going to put him in the grave before his wife could. <laughs> so, uh, the, I mean, the lead up to this was, was all right. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, AJ Styles, if, I got to give it, if anything to him, He's another one that can play that bad guy really well. Yeah. And, I mean, they, he put it in what they called a boneyard match. Now, when he, when he challenged him to a boneyard match, I'm thinking, what the hell is a boneyard match? I mean, we've had everything under the moon when The Undertaker, when it has some type of match. Now, I don't know if they've had one of these in the past that I'm just not aware of. They have it at a remote location, so they're not even actually in the uh, performance center. And AJ Styles, well, I we no one knew this at the time, but all of a sudden the hearse is coming rolling in. You have the Undertaker's music playing, and then the coffin comes out the back, and you expect to see the Undertaker, and you see AJ Styles, and he's laughing, he's, you know, just kind of, he's kind of hamming it up and goofing off, yeah. and he's waiting, waiting for the Taker. All of a sudden he hears a bike, and you know the Undertaker's coming into some Metallica, yeah, new Metallica song, and he's also coming in in his Attitude Error. Taker, not the Undertaker that we've seen for the past you know, decade. We're going back to like early two thousands. Yeah, which which was pretty cool to see that too. And when he left, he had that cross of the Attitude Era lit up on the barn too. Oh yeah, did you, I say? Did you notice that? I did. Yeah, with the, the the pyro going off in that big barn in the back. Yeah, it he was his uh, back to his American badass persona, and uh, it was almost like the attitude, like, "Hey, you want Mark Calloway? Here he is. This is me." <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you know, this isn't the dead man. This is Mark Calloway, the guy who rides bikes and is a real badass for a living. So uh, yeah. you're getting it. Yeah, you've been calling me by my first name. You're getting that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, buddy. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's you know, this match, it, it was different from the rest. I mean, not only was it in a different venue, it wasn't in the Performance Center. It wasn't in the ring. It was in this uh, sort of uh, this field, right, with this barn in the background and like a uh, dirt and this... Uh, this backhoe that they were using to dig up dirt. It kind of it reminded me a little bit of the old uh, bury, bury Me Alive matches or Buried Alive matches. Buried Alive, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, it was shot extremely cinematically. Whatever cameras they were using, they were using a lot of edits. And apparently it took uh, around eight hours to shoot this fight uh, because it was shot like a movie. So it, it kind of reminds you of, like, the, the end, end climactic scene of some kind of uh, action movie or something. Yeah, that was the one thing I'm, I'm watching this, and at points I was having a hard time getting into it. Yeah, because it it did have that like horror movie feel to it. Right. And I mean that's I mean in every turn you kind of went, it, it had that exact same feel when you know Undertaker comes in there, starts beating up you know AJ, and then all of a sudden he breaks the window and his arm is bleeding. And he, you kind of look see, I think he said he said you got to be kidding me or something down those lines when he sees his arm bleeding. Yeah. And AJ throws you know was a dirt up into his eyes and starts beating on him. It just had that, that movie twist back and forth uh, until the point where, you know, you had all the guys come out of the barn all cloaked and you're circling the Undertaker and he kind of looks at him like, you know what? I think he even said it. He's like, you know, just bring it. <laughs> yeah. And he just beats the snot out of all of them. But then there was a point, actually, I thought that they were going to have the Undertaker lose. Oh, really? I There, there was a 
there was a part of it when he was kind of sitting up against the uh in the barn and he could barely talk and barely get up and everything. I was like, you know what? This actually may be the end. But now, I was like, I, I don't want him to go out that way. There's right. no way he's gonna have the career he's gonna have and have, you know, the respect and everything that him and Vince McMahon have for each other to have, you know, the Undertaker go out on a loss at WrestleMania. So I mean when he when he was knocked into the uh, the hole and AJ went up there to start it up and all of a sudden the lights came on behind him and Undertaker standing there, I'm like I'm blown away. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Okay, get rid of him. Let's, let's finish this up. Yeah, it was a crazy match for sure. Um, I like what they did. It was it was very strange. It feels like they took a lot of chances with this WrestleMania as a whole, and we'll talk about it a little later with the John Cena match too. Um, but yeah, they um, they kind of, kind of went for something here, and um, how successful they were, I don't know, but it was definitely something different. It was definitely entertaining. And uh, Undertaker once again uh, came out on top. Yep, he came out on top. And, uh, you know, he sat down. He had the pyro exploding. The you know, the cross lit up, and he kind of rides rides into the you know, to the night. And it was called you know the last ride. And he's got a an actual short series coming on called the last ride on WWE Network. So I'm kind of thinking based on that coming on, this being called the last ride, him bearing AJ Styles and riding off on his bike. He's retired a lot. But th- this may have been the last time we've seen him in a WWE performance like this. I-, I wouldn't be shocked. It'd be sad to say, but I think based on what I know of him, based on the surgeries, based based on what he does to ramp himself up for these matches. Right. Uh, like I said, I was I watched a broken skull, and in the 15 minutes of the actual uh, last ride, the preview, uh, basically what he says is he only does one show a year. So he does his basically his ramp up to WrestleMania, then WrestleMania. So what he does is he does WrestleMania. Once WrestleMania is over, he has surgery. After surgery, he does his rehab, which turns right back into WrestleMania, which is then surgery. So he's in that cycle right now where yeah, it's he's got to stop. I mean, even uh, Stone Cold said, you know what? When do you stop going to the well? When, when do you go to the well one too many times and you can't pull out of something? Yeah, we've got to be getting close to his actual final retirement here. I know he's dabbled with it. He's he's came close to it in the past few years. But considering that I used to look forward to Undertaker matches back in like you know 1993, <laughs> um, it, I, it's time for the guy to just you know he, you know there's no there's no approaching his record. There's no approaching his career as far as the longevity and the success. So. Uh, you got to hang up your hat before you uh, you overstay your welcome. Yeah, I think what he said was he's afraid of becoming a parody of himself. Right. Like, he, he doesn't want me to sit down on my couch with Zach watching with me and then me go, oh, man, if you only seen him when. Yeah. He doesn't want that. So that's why I think he's he's about done. If it's not this one, it's the next one. And that's going to be the, the last time we actually see the taker himself. So that wraps it up for night one of WrestleMania 36, a huge show. And um, just the way that WWE split this uh, show into two nights, I think Chris and I are going to have to split this into two episodes uh, just because, you know, we can talk. (laughs) We're going to wrap up discussing night one of WrestleMania and uh, continue on with our next episode uh, reviewing night two. Overall, what was your uh, thoughts on night one? Night one, I mean, I got to give it to them for the effort. I mean, my grade is is purely on effort alone, and I got to give it a B. I mean, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens kind of saved the night for me. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the rest of them, 
were all right. The Undertaker's match, I'm always up to watch the Undertaker. I mean, they can they can put him walking down the street, you know, in New York, <laughs> and I'm gonna sit there and cheer him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the rest of them, they 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 gave their best effort, which I mean that that's got to be applauded by itself because of the un, unforeseen circumstances that we're going through. Right. So just the fact that they were able and they were willing to go out there and put on these matches and do what they do uh, best, you know, to entertain you know guys like us and. And then the kids mainly. I mean, it's nice to have something to watch and do that is not revolving around, you know, what our current situation is. So uh, definitely, definitely uh, say a B for effort and everything across the board. Yeah, I, I'm with you here. As far as them, um, you know, they really swung for the fences. I think this show is going to be mired for a long time about, uh, you know, kind of comparing it to the WrestleMania that could have been if this whole pandemic wasn't going on. Um, but you know, we got a good show. We got a bunch of people swinging for the fences and, and trying some new things and being creative and all in all, it was, uh, it was very entertaining and we've got a lot left to talk about with night two. Yeah. Now night two is, uh, the, I'll give you guys kind of a sneak peek into my thinking of it was the better of the two nights, but we'll leave that for our part two. Like Sean was saying here, uh, it was too much for one night. So so two nights of uh, WrestleMania for us as well. Two episodes <laughs> of Dad and Rock. There we go. Aren't you guys so lucky? But uh, I think we're going to go ahead and cruise into the cheesy. We're going to get into the uh, our, our dad jokes portion here. I'll go ahead and I'll go first. You know, the invention of the shovel wasn't good. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. It was groundbreaking. <laughs> that was good. Okay. All right, so I have kind of a wrestling one here. So let's uh, let's try it out, see how it fits. Okay. How does the crowd know that uh, Undertaker's getting too old to wrestle? How? Uh, when he walks down the aisle with the cane. <laughs> oh, nice! I like the I like the wordplay. <laughs> you get it? Oh, you, you know you won. My groundbreaking was funny, but walking down the aisle with cane—that's awesome. Okay, guys. Well, we're gonna, it's gonna be our wrap for the evening here. Uh, like like normal, you know where to find us. I am actively tweeting. Literally, I put out probably about 50-some tweets just on the two nights of WrestleMania by itself. I am constantly going. Uh, look us up at you know, Dad and Rock on Twitter, and same as Facebook. And uh, I think it's a good place for us to go ahead and wrap it up for this evening. What do you say? Oh, hell yeah. 